things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy, coming at you as I love to do several times a week, wherever you can find your free podcast. You can find No Mercy with your boy, Stephen A. There's a lot to get into today, as usual, coming at you from our studios here in Los Angeles, Cal- in Los Angeles, California, courtesy of our studio sponsor, FanDuel Sports. FanDuel Sportsbook, the home of the No Mercy podcast. Let me get right into it because I got a lot of things on my mind and Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to get into in regards to the NBA playoffs uh, because there's a lot to get into. The Lakers have advanced. They're going up against the Nuggets. The Celtics have advanced. They're going up against the Miami Heat. I got a chance to get my dream, to get my dream. They ruined it because COVID-19 ruined it because we all know where the hell I want to be. Now, I understand it was a little aberration, a little deviation from all of that because the New York Knicks were relevant. And I, like a fool, got caught up. We here, we here, we here. Okay, until I came crashing back down to reality. I get all of that, but make no mistake about it. I ain't depressed if it's L.A. versus Miami. Let me be very, very clear about that. You figure out. L.A., Miami. (laughs) Figure it out. But I got stuff to get into first that really, really is not a laughing matter. It's not something to joke about. It's not not something to, to, to mess around with what have you. It's about the situation involving John Moran. Um, he's a mess. He's a mess. Um, I don't enjoy saying that. I'm not trying to excoriate the kid. He's 23 years of age. He turns 24 in August. All of us have made mistakes in our life. None of us are flawless. We all make mistakes. Perfection escapes every single one of us as human beings. We all understand that. But there are levels to idiocy and foolishness. And there's no question about it that if you're John Morant, it's been foolish and beyond. Some would say a new fool. Because it don't make no damn sense. I mean, when I think about John Morant right now, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about Antonio Brown or Michael Vick back in the day. Now, I love me some Michael Vick. But you got a $100 million contract, you ain't studying football, and you engaging in dogfighting. Schemes and, and, and having a dogfighting ring. Uh, I, I don't wish anybody to be incarcerated, let alone him in a federal penitentiary. Thank God he served his time. He came out. He made a life for himself, doing a great, great job on television, I might add. I'm a fan of Michael Vick. But at that time, the stupidity knew no limits because you had nine figures in the palm of your hands and blew it to win thousands of dollars dogfighting, running a dogfighting scheme. Antonio Brown, why do I bring up that name when I enter the world? Stupidity. Now, we can sit up there. We can talk about CT and all of that stuff because he was never the same once Vontez Burfecht and the Cincinnati Bengals at the time hit him and he went on the ground looking like rigor mortis kicked in, similar to how Tua Tungavaloa looked last year when he got hit against on a, on, a, on a Thursday night game in Cincinnati. Ever since then, Antonio Brown was never the same. And so he did kind of odd things. I think it's safe to say that when you are a member of the Las Vegas Raiders on a Wednesday night. And you have an obligation. All you got to do is shut up until Tuesday morning. Shut up until Tuesday morning and don't get thrown off a team. And you can't shut up and cost yourself $29 million. $29 million because you can shut up for four days. That's a new kind of fool. John Morant is venturing into that territory. There is no way around this. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morant, just over this weekend, was seen on video with a gun in his hand, waving it and what have you. Because he was seen with that gun, 
seen with the gun on IG Live, to be exact. John Morant was suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies immediately. The league office, meaning the National Basketball Association, you know that multi-billion dollar conglomerate that wants to preserve and elevate their revenue, you know that NB, that, that iconic brand, they said they're investigating the matter. We are less than two months removed from John Morant being in New York City in the office of Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, where John Morant assured him that is not who he is, that is not what he represents, that is not what he's about. And I assure you, Commissioner, this will not happen again. And sure enough, it happened again. And that's dumb. Because now if you're the commissioner, you took it light on him. And now you don't have to because you gave him an opportunity. He said he went to counseling. He said he had gone to Florida. He said he took some time to really search and identify and look deep within himself to find out what the hell is going on and why he makes the mistake that he makes. He said, yo, we're going to change this. Now, whether you believe them or not, you want me to tell you what you did believe? You did believe, you know what? You got a five-year, potentially $231 million contract kicking in at the start of next season. I don't want to jeopardize that. It is safe to believe that that might have been his thought process. It's safe to believe that he might not want to have wanted to have jeopardized the signature Nike shoe deal he had. Because remember, they separated themselves from Kyrie Irving after the tweet for the movie with anti-Semitic tropes and things of that nature in it. And they separated themselves from Kyrie Irving. Damn near treated him like Kanye West. And they said, we're going to go in a different direction. And they went to John ja Morant. But that had to get pulled on hold. Remember, Powerade hasn't done business with an athlete in five years, but said, we're going to do business with John ja Morant until this happened. And so when he came and he said, hey, I think, I've learned the error of my ways and I'm not going to get myself caught up in some kind of nonsense. It was plausible to believe that he wouldn't find himself in this kind of predicament again. But sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And then I got some notes here because, you know, I'm going to get my notes, right? I ain't going to just going to speak extemporaneously off the cuff and all of this stuff without having some kind of intel. All right. Well, John Morant. Okay. Because we get a little oil. So, you know, you got to put on flat. His Nike signature shoe release was actually delayed in the wake of his first IG Live gun incident. Similarly, the Grizzly Stars commercial with Powerade was pulled in the wake of that incident that he got in trouble for over a month ago. So what are these brands going to do now? Those are legitimate questions. For y'all, for me, I have answers. That deal going to get confident. Power ain't going to get compromised. Nike going to get compromised. Because we living in different times. And people don't have to tolerate this nonsense. Now, there are those of you who are going to lose your damn mind if you haven't already over this. And I know exactly what you're thinking. What did he do wrong, Stephen A? What did he do wrong? He didn't break no laws, Stephen A. Absolutely right. He did not. First of all, we don't know where this latest video occurred. We know it was in an automobile. What we don't know is what state he was in. But we do know that he plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is in the state of Tennessee. Other than the fact that they have no state income tax, which is very appealing to somebody such as myself, there's something that's not so appealing to me. Do you know it's a permitless? carry state you do not have to have even a permit to carry a concealed weapon loaded or unloaded open or concealed one of various states throughout our union that doesn't mandate that you have to have a license to carry so when they say he's not breaking any laws they're absolutely right john moran ain't breaking no laws that ain't the damn point, you idiots. The point is, the NBA has a problem with him. He works for the league. He represents the league. And if the league says 
we have a problem with this. We don't condone that. We don't support that. And Nike says the same thing. And Power A says the same thing. You got a problem. See, we want to walk around. We want to do what the hell we want to do. And this is the type, this is the type of stuff that bothers me because I make a generic point because I like to touch the masses, not just the few. And I'm trying to tell you, you cannot do what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it, while you got your hand out for somebody's money. I work for the mouse. This podcast is owned by yours truly. I own it. Everybody on this podcast works for me. But I still got to take into consideration the people who are working for me and the kind of jeopardy I put them in because they have a livelihood to protect as well. And you know who else I have to think about? My day job. You know that big mouse that you see everywhere? You know with amusement parks in Orlando and Anaheim, Shanghai, Lord knows where else. You know that big mouse that's permeated everywhere for decades? Mickey Mouse to be exact. Walt Disney. They own ESPN. You think that every single thing they want to restrict me from doing, I agree with? Of course not. But there's a bigger picture. And the check that they cut, that I cash, happens to make me smile when I cash it. So guess what? I modify. I capitulate. I don't surrender. I don't sell out. I don't completely strip myself of my authenticity, but I'll be damned if I don't modify or alter my thinking to some degree. And you know what? So did John Morant. So did LeBron James. So did Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul. So did Michael Jordan. So did Shaq. So did Barkley. Hell. So did Allen Iverson. I know because I was there. And y'all smart enough and informed enough to know ain't a damn media member alive know Allen Iverson better than me. And that brother with the cornrows, with the tattoos, with all of that other stuff, go back to 1996, June to be exact, NBA draft. Allen Iverson rolled up there. He didn't even have cornrows. He had a clean-cut haircut with a nice fade, and you couldn't find a tat visible on him because he was trying to get paid. Now, we live in a different time. No question about that. We live in a different time. We live in a time now where everything crazy. One minute we having conversations about men and women. Another day we having conversations about who is a man and who is a woman. One day we having conversations about how much of a mosaic our nation is. And the next minute we having a conversation about Title 42 and how we're expecting immigrants to really flood the boilers seeking asylum from their nations. Once upon a time, you couldn't become the president for having an adulterous affair. Now you could be a freak. Ain't nobody going to say anything. List goes on and on. The world has changed. We get all of that. But when it comes to business, that's when we dial it back. Because businesses have patrons to appease. They have images to protect. And they're going to say, what's up? This is what we want. You got to capitulate or you got to go. John Morant, last summer, allegedly, purportedly got into a fight with a high school kid. Went after knocking him upside his head with the same friend who was with him this time. He came, he went in his house and came outside with a gun. There's still an investigation about that. This February, he and that same friend who will remain nameless because he ain't a part of it. He, 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 he's not the story John Moran is. But that same friend, they were in Indianapolis. And there was an investigation made by the NBA because apparently his friend got into it 
with members of Indiana, the Indiana Pacers party, which included security, and allegedly a red laser gun was pointed at them. John Morant was in that SUV. They couldn't prove that John Morant did that. So they kind of let it go. Then you had in March the incident where John Morant is at the strip club in Colorado. I forget the name. We're at the strip club. Okay? And because he's at the strip club doing his thing, making it rain, waving a gun, Memphis said, yo, suspension. NBA ultimately supported it. Eight games, over $600,000 it cost him. He's supposed to be done with that. April, he bounced out of the playoffs like by LeBron and AD. And now here we are in May. And it happened again. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no excuse for this. I'm not saying it's a berate. John Morant, I'm rooting for the brother. He's a superstar. The game is better because of him. He's box office. You want to see this brother play. I was in attendance when he dropped 45 on the Lakers in a game they lost, by the way. I was there. The brother's special. And he's box office. But I don't want to hear anything at this point about his daddy. I don't want to hear anything at this point about his friends. I don't want to hear anything at this point about the Memphis Grizzlies or any kind of enablers or whatever. You're 23 years old. If you committed a crime and harmed somebody, they try your ass as an adult. This is what it is. Stop making excuses. Everybody want to sit out there, and this is how we enable people, because we want to sit up there and say, you got folks on out there, God, do your thing, do your thing, bro. Live your life. Really? Really? Where that going to get them? Where's that going to get them? What kind of advice is that to get? It's counterproductive. And it's stupid. And not only might it cost him his career. If he keeps on this path, it might cost him his life. You see, some of us are from the streets. We don't look it. We don't act it. We didn't get in trouble. And all of this other stuff. But we from that club. We know people. I know plenty of dudes that are dead. I know plenty of dudes that serve in time. I know plenty of dudes who've murdered, who've robbed, who dealt drugs. You don't hear me speaking too much against that stuff because they saved my life. They played the role just as much as my family did, they did, because they kept me off the streets because they knew I wasn't about that life. And if there's one thing they taught me years ago, there is nothing real, true, Hardcore street dudes detest more than somebody who ain't made from that club. He's trying to act like they are. Especially when you don't have to be that way because you done made it. They're willing to accept the consequences of their actions and deal with whatever it is because they made their choices. But they have no respect for cats who have made it and don't have to live that way. And are stupid enough to try anyway. They have no respect for people like that. And neither should most of us. John Moran got to get his act together. His career is on the line because I'm telling you something right now. You remember, this is your boy Stephen A. talking to you. I've been covering the NBA for almost 30 years. I'm telling you, I ain't asking you. Suspension's coming. And it's going to be steep. Could be 25 games. Could be half the season. I got people calling for the entire season. And before I go to break, let me read you from an inside source in the NBA that has direct access to Commissioner Adam Silver, who will decide John Morant's penalty, along with Joe Dumas, an executive VP, a former two-time champion with the Pistons. That dude, who's now a czar within the NBA league office, let me read to you what was sent to me by someone who has direct access to both of them. You can pick up the phone and call him right now. This is what he said. Stephen A. on John Morant. Behavior detrimental to the league. Best interest of the game. 
those two clauses that are relevant here. Public perception is also important. It is not a right to play in the NBA. It is a privilege. Because the NBA was so lenient in the first incident, a strong message must be sent to Ja Morant, his family, and his boys. Minimum half-season suspension without pay. And if continued misbehavior exists, potential loss of his guaranteed extension. Also, as gambling becomes more profitable as a source of revenue to a league and its teams, players' character and the quote-unquote integrity of the game will be tested and become a more public issue. So the message of prevention of an outside force ever negatively affecting the outcome of a game must be delivered emphatically. That is what John Moran is facing. You still think it's a joke? Think again. NBA playoff talk, talk coming up next. Don't touch that dial. It's your boy, Stephen A. No mercy in the house. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I started covering the NBA. In 1996, I was a backup writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah, Allen Iverson was drafted. <clears throat> Philadelphia Inquirer, where I had been employed for the two previous years from October of 1994, started out covering Temple, St. Joe's really, but only for a couple of weeks. Then I covered John Cheney at Temple. Then I covered Temple basketball and football. And then I was elevated to backup NBA writer for the Philadelphia 76ers. And then after Allen Iverson's first season, even though I was there pretty much every game as a backup writer after their first season, they officially made me the beat writer for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I covered Allen Iverson every day for the next six years. Larry Brown, Billy King, Pat Croce, um, Ed Snyder, the majority owner, um, Iverson's teammates, Aaron McKee, George Lynch, Eric Snow, Theo Ratliff, Kembe Mutombo thereafter, Tyrone and Tyrone Hill. I love all of these brothers for life. I'm not where I'm at today if it were not, if it were not for them. But especially Allen Iverson. He's like a little brother to me. And I bring that up not because of John Moran, who I just finished talking about for the previous 20 minutes. I bring this up because I wanted to provide a perspective to everybody that since 1996, up until my mother passed away in 2017, I had gone to an average of 120 NBA games per year. And the only reason that slowed down was because ESPN has me in studio all the damn time doing these shows. And the popularity has elevated to such a degree that I don't get to watch games in peace most of the time. Like, I need to to focus and concentrate to know what the hell I'm talking about. But I still go to a lot of games when I can. Because I love being in the locker rooms. I love going to the games. I love being in attendance because I like people to see me there because they know I mean I'm serious about my business. I bring that up to you because I want you to know that when Allen Iverson and the Sixers went to the playoffs for the first time when Chuck Daly was coaching the Orlando Magic and they were going up against Penny Hardaway in the crew, I was there. When Larry Hughes was about to be screamed at by Larry Brown in that playoffs and Allen Iverson sprinted across the court so he could literally cover Larry Hughes' ears. L Boogie was his nickname, by the way. And escort him to the bench away from Larry Brown, so Larry Brown wouldn't get into his head and demoralize him and negatively affect his game. I was there. When Allen Iverson got into some trouble and got into that issue with his wife and helicopter was hovering over his house, I was there. 
when Michael Jordan crossed over Byron Russell and pulled up for the J and paused and posed, okay? And to win his sixth and final championship, I was there. When Allen Iverson and Vince Carter went back for 50-50, dropping 50 on each other, I was there. When, when Allen Iverson dropped 48 in game one after I told the world the Lakers was going to win the championship against the Philadelphia 76ers, but AI will get you one, I was there. It was the first night I ever met Denzel Washington face-to-face because he came and wrapped his arm around my shoulders and like, all right, give it to me straight. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because somehow, someway, he was a Laker fan by then, even though he's from Mount Vernon, New York. I was there. I was there when Kobe hit the game-winning shot in the playoffs against Phoenix when Shaq wasn't on the team and Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum was his teammates. I was there when Kwame Brown was a teammate. I was there when Powell Gasol was there. I was there when Shaq went to Miami and D-Wade dropped 37 on average for the last four games and beat Dirk Nowitzki and those boys in the finals. I was there. I've seen it all. I have never seen a superstar in the game of basketball play in a game seven as badly as James Harden played this past Sunday in Boston. Now, Embiid stunk too. Let's be real. Embiid was a disappointment. He was my vote for league MVP. I don't regret it one bit. He deserved it. But I expected the MVP to show up Sunday. I didn't expect what I saw. I didn't expect Embiid to score 15 points on 5 of 18 shooting. One for six in the second half for two points. And do absolutely nothing but engage in a disappearing act become the invisible man when Boston went on a 33-10 to 10 run in the, in the third quarter to blow him out of the building, out of the state. Having said that, do you know how bad you must be if we forget to mention the league MVP because we're focused on how bad you were? That was James Harden. Now, you might not like me because of what I'm saying. I happen to have a lot of love for James Harden. I think he's a good dude. He's a good person, and I think he's a star caliber player. But damn it, the effort was too flagrant to ignore. James Harden scored nine points. James Harden shot three of 11 from the field, one of five from three, finished with five turnovers. The Sixers were up 3-2 going into game six, where they had an opportunity to close out Boston. And then game seven, when they had another opportunity to pull it off. In those two games, you know what James Harden did? A combined 22 points of 7 for 27 shooting. That's 26%. One of 11 from three-point range. 10 turnovers. Both losses. You know how atrocious you have to be to have numbers like that? That was just an abominable performance. I mean, it was one of those situations where he should shave off his beard just to disguise his identity so no one will know it's him. That's how damn bad it was. Let me give you another stat. Do you know that in the 11 playoff games James Harden played this postseason, six against Brooklyn, okay, and the five before these last two, okay, this brother had like six games where he shot less than 25% from the field. Obviously, now it's seven and eight games. Did you know that in this seven-game series, Harden dropped 45 in game one, 42 in game four. The other five games, he made four field goals or less in each of the five games. He couldn't even put together five field goals. This is a three-time scoring champion. This is a former league MVP. This is the same dude that led the league in assists this year that averaged over 20. The only thing worse than James Harden was that sorry, trifling-ass Ben Simmons. How the hell you gonna say something about any basketball player? 
This dude goes on Twitter yesterday, and I, and, and I tried to be nice to Ben Simmons. I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I started off the season saying, give him a chance. How the hell are you talking about a basketball player when you treat putting on a basketball uniform and dribbling on the basketball court to go play when you treat that as if somebody asked you to get on the front lines in Ukraine to fight Russia? That's how scared he is to play basketball. That's how scared he is. I mean, he's the one that's talking about it. They brought up mental his illness. I didn't bring that up. I didn't say anything about that. I'm not making light of something like that. He brought that up. He said that was rationale. He said that he needed therapy. He said that he needed to talk to people. Then it's a back injury. Then it's a knee injury. It's all of these excuses not to play. But that brother never missed a check, though. He always makes sure the check is in the account. Always. And you are talking about James Harden in the 76ers, the team you quit on, the team you left hanging. The team that you were supposed to help deliver a championship as the number one overall pick in the draft. You. You. That's you. Boy, I better not see him. I better not see Ben Simmons. All I'm going to do is look at him. It's going to be one of these. Sorry. That's all I can think. It's not because you play bad. James Harden played bad. Ain't got to live with that. But he ain't you. At least he showed up. Back to Harden, though. If you're the Houston Rockets, you can't want James Harden long-term. Just can't. Kenya Martin Jr., Green, Porter, Barry Smith Jr., you got young kids, you got Ime Udoka there as your new coach. You can't bring James Harden. Just can't. Not after this performance. He's clearly lost a flag- flagrantly lost a step. You Philadelphia, you want to keep it. Can't be a long-term deal. Daryl Moore, even think about giving him a long-term deal. He should be fired. I'm talking about that Max Dollars. Of course, James Harden is worth some money. Just I'm just talking about Max Dollars. I'm sorry. Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, that's another matter altogether. Miami Heat took care of my Knicks. It hurt. I was very depressed this weekend. Very difficult to eat. Lag sleep. Had to work too, but it was just hard. Because that damn Julius Randle got on my last damn nerves. Playoffs come. That's what he does. Field goal percentage shooting go down. Three-point percentage shooting go down. He's turnover prone. Had turnover two. Had 10. He trapped 57% for the field last two games of the series. But shot. But committed 10 turnovers. Can't do that against Miami. It's not going to work. Very, very disappointed in Julius Randle. Without question. But having said all of that, let me say this to you. It's not that he's a scrub, because he's not. He played the first 77 games of this season. I respect the fact that he was available. But Julius Randle is a third offensive option who thinks he's a number one option. And that's the problem. Now, me personally, I want Damian Lillard. We got Damian Lillard. We beat in Miami. And I know Damian Lillard with Jalen Brunson is a small backcourt. Damn it, it's a small man's game. It ain't too many Jokic, Giannis, and Beads walking around. You got cats who should be small forward playing center. We'll work it out. If it's not him, go get Carl Anthony Towns because that brother can shoot. Now, the durability is a question mark, and I understand that, but he can play and he damn sure can shoot. And he's going to shoot better than Julius Randle. Anybody his height or close to it that put a hand in his face going to make him miss a shot when it counts. And he gets petulant. He gets demoralized. And it brings down the spirit of the team. It's my spirit. Spirit matters. Can't have that. So they got to do something with that. Go get one of them. Go get one of them. You the Boston Celtics, you don't have to pay uh, Jalen Brown uh, $295 million, but you got to keep him. Him and Jason Tatum are the future. Don't be stupid. Take care of him. Out West, the Warriors are done. They weren't good enough. I thought they would be because I thought Klay Thompson would be. The man had eight, 10, and nine points over the last three games. That is a total of 27 points in three games. I'm appalled and I'm shocked. 
because he's one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. The only reason we don't talk about Klay Thompson more is because his backcourt mate happens to be the greatest shooter God has ever created. But Klay Thompson, what is on his game? And Jordan Poole ain't been the same since he got his bag. I know a lot of people are inclined to say, oh, he ain't been the same since Draymond knocked him out. I'm not buying that. I'm going to tell you what the deal is. Jordan Poole got 128 million guaranteed. I'm sorry, 123 million guaranteed, 128 million overall. He got his money, worked his way up during the G League and all of this other stuff over the years, got his groove on in the league, won a championship last year, was feeling himself. I think that's why he got hit in the first place. Not advocating it, not condoning it, not justifying it, but it's happened. And I think we saw the ripple effect of that because he was complaining about his playing time. Saying that's the reason he couldn't get going. Please. It's the other way around. You couldn't get going because of playing time. You didn't get playing time because you couldn't get going. Steph Curry and all of them know it. So the Golden State Warriors are going to have to make changes. We'll see what they do. Hope Bob Myers stays on as the president of basketball operations, although I doubt he will. Hope Clay stays there. He got one year left on his deal. I hope he gets an extension, although it won't be a max. Looking at Draymond Green, hope he gets an extension too. By the way, Draymond Green deserved first team all defensive player. He did not deserve to be second team. He's too good. He's too elite as a defensive player. Look at his percentage. He's one of the top two defenders in the game. To call him a second-team all-defensive player was an insult. He is absolutely right. And he's also right about saying, saying the dynasty ain't over. Because as long as those three are kept, all you got to do is tweak it. I don't know how you're going to pull it off, but damn it if Rob Lincoln could turn around the Lakers. If he could sit up there and get Yuri Hachimura and Michael Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell and the Lakers are in the damn Western Conference Finals, if Rob Lincoln could pull that off because of a trading deadline deal that got rid of Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, I'll be damned if Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and the Golden State Warriors can't pull off some deals to get Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green some help. I don't believe it. They can do it. That's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that in the weeks and the months to come. Props to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Props to Anthony Davis, who showed up the last three games of that series against the Golden State Warriors. He usually take one game off. Every good game he played, he played a bad game. Couldn't put together back-to-back games to save his life. This series, he put together three strong games, back-to-back-to-back. Deserves a lot of credit for that. I didn't know he had that in him anymore, but he did. Props to him. LeBron James is that dude. He wins a fifth championship. I'll never put him against ahead of Jordan. He's got six NBA Finals losses. But I will say this conversation won't insult me because LeBron James is that special. But Denver's waiting. They knocked off a Phoenix team that fired its coach Monty Williams, who will have another job in short order because he's a great man and a great coach. I believe DeAndre Ayton got fired. I believe DeAndre Ayton, who's from the Bahamas, literally was in the Bahamas. He just forgot to tell anybody. He got that man fired. He didn't give him the kind of effort that was needed. Jokic busting his ass. 34, 13, and 10. I mean, damn. Just busting his ass. Okay? And he averaging 10 and 8. Talking about it's a team effort. Yeah, I'm sure it's a team effort. I'd say that too, maybe. You get your ass kicked. It's real easy to defer to that. But I'm telling you this. That's what got Monty Williams fired. Big-time losses on your home court, back-to-back closeout games in Phoenix, down by 30 in each half. That is not a good look, but it doesn't happen if your center plays like a man possessed. That ain't in DeAndre. He was in the Bahamas already, y'all. I'm telling y'all, he just didn't tell us. So Monty Williams is gone. Chris Paul might be gone. Who knows? They might try to pursue Kyrie. Don't know if they could get him. We'll see what happens. Might try to package DeAndre Ayton with Chris Paul, get him out of there, get somebody like a Kyrie in there. We don't know. But I do know this. Denver is no joke. They are the real deal. Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. when he gets going. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, he was a member of the Lakers when they won the championship in the bubble. He's now on Denver. Bruce Brown, he was with KD in Brooklyn, was balling out against KD in Phoenix. KD got humbled. Mad love for KD. But I've been calling him the best player in the world. Can't say that no more because the impact that I expected you to have on players, you don't have. 
the way to galvanize your team and to make sure they max out in terms of effort and production. It ain't there. So I can't give you that title no more, even though I know your skills are sublime and you big time. The ability to galvanize the troops around you is not something KD has been able to pull off. He couldn't pull it together in Oklahoma City, which is why he left for Golden State. Couldn't pull it off in Brooklyn and damn sure didn't pull it off in Phoenix. So I can't call him that no more. Still got mad love and respect for him. But I can't call him the best in the world anymore. I can't. Not when you got swept by Boston last year. Not when you got blown out in the closeout games the way that you did, even though y'all were undermanned, undersized, because they traded half the damn team to get you. Denver is that team. If the Lakers beat them, the Lakers might win it all. We can't rule it out. We'll see what happens. That's for sure. I'm going to close out the show with a serious matter that we all need to just contemplate and think about. Then I'll end it with something to make you smile. All in the same segment. Trust me on that. Trust me. It's no mercy. It's your boy Stephen A. Announce. Back with the last segment of the show in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Venturing away from the world of basketball association i wanted to touch on something uh serious uh, that we needed to broach before i end this show this episode on a lighter note daniel perry by now you've heard that name he's an ex um he's a u.s marine veteran i'm sorry he's the u.s marine veteran who held what has been described or who has been described as a homeless street artist named Jordan Neely in a chokehold that ended up being fatal on a New York subway train earlier um, earlier this month. And Perry's 24 years of age. Um, after some hesitancy, after an investigation into the matter, um, he was arrested, surrendered to police, um, and indicted um, on second-degree manslaughter charges. 24 years of age. You recall he was on a subway train, and Jordan Neely came in there, took his shirt off, uh, was very loud and what have you. He's a black man. Uh, Daniel Penny is white. Is white. And... Jordan Neely was loud, took off his shirt, um, was talking about how he was hungry, he was frustrated, and more importantly, he didn't care if he died. And there were some people on the train who felt that he was a bit erratic, to say the least. Um, it's not clear how endangered they felt, uh, but it's safe to say that he, at the very least, made people uncomfortable. Before he knew it, the U.S. Marine veteran Daniel Perry came up behind him, put him in a chokehold, wrestling him to the ground. Um, there were others who were helping him, but he was the lone individual who put Jordan Neely in the chokehold. Jordan Neely ultimately died. And as a result of that, there are people all over the place who are taking sides. Um, we believe that the conviction should be for murder because that was intentional, said Neely family attorney Lennon Edwards this past Friday morning. At some point when people are screaming, let him go, you're going to kill him. He could have chosen to let him go, but he didn't. And what he did and what did he think would happen if he didn't? He had to know he would die. He had to, said another Neely family attorney, Dante Mills, as Neely's father and aunt stood by. Mills later told CNN's Anderson Cooper, the courts have to look at how reasonable Penny's actions were. Quote, when a lot of us think of self-defense, it's built in. You're defending yourself from something. 
That means you're not first to act. Jordan Neely never touched him. He never hit him. He never lunged in his direction. In fact, Daniel Perry came from behind him and put him in a chokehold. So is that reasonable? That's their side. Daniel Penny and his attorneys have another side. Quote, he risked his own life and safety for the good of his fellow passengers. The unfortunate result was the unintended and unforeseen death of Mr. Neely, Penny's attorney said in a statement on Thursday. Penny restrained Neely, 30 years of age, on a Manhattan subway after Neely began shouting he was hungry, thirsty, and had little to live for. He was pronounced dead at the hospital. His death was ruled a homicide, though the designation doesn't mean there was intent or culpability. A spokesperson for the New York City office of the chief medical examiner said earlier this week, noting at the time it was a matter for the criminal justice system to determine. Understand that's very, very important. Because when they say here, it doesn't designate, that designation doesn't mean intent or culpability. What they're saying is, you may not have intended to do it. You may not be quote unquote culpable. But if a person died, you can still find yourself behind bars, albeit at a significantly lighter charge than first degree murder. I've been torn <clears throat> because as a person that rode the subways every day for the first part of my life, I have to confess that certain erratic behavior on a subway train is far from surprising. That was years ago. Times have changed. And when you see people being harmed every day, particularly in the subways of New York City, when you see the violence that's disseminated over the airwaves throughout this country, when you see folks constantly encountering some sort of danger. It's hard to predict or to assume what is and what isn't. And the first order of business is to protect yourself. Dante Wilder, Deontay Wilder, former heavyweight champion of the world in the sport of boxing, recently got himself in trouble because he was carrying a weapon. And I believe it was in the state of California. And, you know, you just can't do something like that. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically said, man, man, better safe than sorry. That was all. That was my only intent. I'm trying to keep myself safe. Because every time we turn on the airwaves, no matter what network it is, we see some level of violence being exacted against innocent civilians across this country. Florida, Dallas, Texas, the list goes on and on. Every damn where you turn, the innocent amongst us are being victimized. And so if you are an individual, in this case, a Daniel Penny, and you are a Marine, it is plausible. Remember, you know, I mean, to protect and serve, we talk about police officers. The Marines, the few, the proud. Because they'll do things that most people won't do. I have military members in my family. They think about that first. They're not going to sit idly by if folks are in danger. And when you're a soldier, one would surmise there's a level of bravery that you have that kicks in that the average person doesn't have. So on that level, I can understand where Daniel Perry's, Penny's coming from. The problem is, if you're skilled enough to know how to implement a chokehold, then one would surmise you're wise enough to know when you've restrained the individual enough that you can let go of the chokehold so you don't kill them. Especially if you had help on the train with you as you restrained them. Why was it necessary to keep him in that chokehold? You had help. You had him restrained. You could have let him go, turned him over, and held him down till the police came. Why didn't you? These are legitimate questions. It requires answers. But it also requires us being mindful enough of the times that we're living in 
and a level of fear it's instilled in the average person out there. Because you just don't know. You don't want to be. You're almost like a wannabe police officer. You know how the cops, some cops, and I'm not talking about cops shooting black people. That's not what we're talking about here. Not this time. It's happened. We know it's happened. But that's not what we're talking about here. If you find yourself encountering a potentially volatile situation, you got a split second to react. And your first order of business is it's them or me. Now, you can say that Daniel Perny wasn't in danger because he was never touched. Is he supposed to wait until he's touched? Is he supposed to wait until another passenger is touched? Ladies and gentlemen, that's why $1.7 million have been donated to his defense fund. Because we have American citizens from all over the place that are donating to his defense fund because they believe he was a good Samaritan that doesn't deserve to be incarcerated over a situation like this. Now, we know ALC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the representative out of New York, we know she feels he murdered him. We know others feel the same way that she does, but there's plenty of politicians who feel otherwise. At the end of the day, our justice system has to do its due diligence to find out the intricate details of what truly, truly transpired and then do an investigation into Daniel Penny's background to find out what he, do, what he does know. Because if you do find out that the level of training he received was extensive enough for him to know when to let go of a chokehold and he didn't do that, now he's got a problem. But without us knowing that, this is the world we're living in. Because we never know what level of fear is going to be instilled in us in a particular moment and how we're going to react to it. And a lot of times, particularly in this day and age, in this day and age, people are quick to say, let me attack now and answer questions later. Because better them than me. That's just the truth. Let's deal with that and find out more. I don't know whether it was righteous or not. I know I'm sorry that a man is dead. Very sorry about that. And if Daniel Penny held on to this man's throat for 15 minutes, that is a different animal. But if we find out he held on to his throat for two or three minutes, and that's what killed him, and that's usually not something that would kill somebody, it's a different matter. We'll find out the details in the days and the weeks to come. Hopefully, Bragg, the DA, will do a better job with this. And he's done with this whole Trump fiasco. Don't get me started with that. We'll talk about that another day. On a lighter note, before I get on that, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all know this or not, but years ago, I used to fill in for my buddy, the great Steve Harvey. He was doing his, he's still doing his morning radio show. But he had this thing called the Strawberry Letters with him and Cheryl and, 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 and nephew Tommy and all of them. And they used to have me doing the Strawberry Letters to fill in when he wasn't there, when he's on vacation or he's off or something. And the Strawberry Letters is basically relationship advice. Now, I ain't talking about myself. I ain't talking about myself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, some people give better advice than they actually practice. I'm one of those dudes. The advice that I give is entirely different what I might practice from time to time. I'm just being honest with you. It's my life. I can do that. But it doesn't mean that the wisdom emanating from my mouth isn't profound enough to make a profound difference in your life. So anytime you feel the need, you want to call me for advice, feel free. Because I got to tell you this, I am the anti-Oprah. It doesn't mean I'm against Oprah because I love me some Oprah Winfrey. That's my girl. It's the queen. And I love Gail King, too. Love her to death. Her best friend. I've known Gail King for years. But when I say I'm the anti-Oprah, Oprah always gave that advice. That favored women. I give advice that favors what works. If you're the woman and it works for you, I'm down with you. If it works for the man and it works for the woman, I'm down with that, too. I ain't against anybody. I'm all about love. I got love in my heart. 
And I want you to know that. So I saw this, this, this tweet from Paul Pierce, former NBA champion for the Boston Celtics 2008, went to the finals two years, 2008, 2010. He put out a tweet recently, and I thought it was really interesting. I said, I'm going to add this as a part of my show. I'm going to try to close out each one of my podcast episodes with some dating advice, you know, based on some of the stuff getting sent to me. I'm down for it. Y'all down for it? I'm down for it. Yeah, 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 I can do that. So Paul Pierce gave, Advice. And I'm very serious with my advice. I take my advice very seriously because it's important to me that it works. If anybody comes to me and they say, Stephen A., the advice didn't work for me, I'm upset. Now, there's plenty of men and women over the years listening to me when I was doing radio shows and television shows. They're like, damn, Stephen A., that really, really worked, bro. It really helped my relationship. You the man. So I take this very, very seriously. And I was a disc jockey in college, too. I had my own show at night, at least two, three nights a week where I was playing numbers, slow jams, R&B. They still think. But anyway, <clears throat> so Paul Pierce says, sends this out, this tweet just the other day. He said, if a girl asks a guy on a date and make the reservation and invite her girlfriend and you are the only guy, does the guy have to pay even if he got a lot of money? Well, how that works? It's what he said. What he said. Let me help the brother out. <clears throat> the answer is no. You do not have to pay. But you should. If you can afford it. You see, <clears throat> relationships come in. Stuff don't always work. You're in love, then you're not. You're in lust, then you're not in love. Infatuation ebbs and flows. Depends on your mood. For a woman, it's how he looks at her, how he makes her feel. But she always is on her feet. For a man, we're more visual in, in, our, in, our, in our certain ways. We covet what we see. And the more we like it, the more we like it. There have been times in my life when I've gotten into an argument, I recall one time, many, many years ago, I got into an argument. And an ex got on my damn nerves. And I said, you know what? Go home. Go. Call her a car service. Take a hole. She was pouting. She walked. She walked into the bedroom. And when she walked into the bedroom, her figure was sticking out in a very voluptuous and entertaining way. And you know what I said to her when I saw that? I said, can you come here, please? I said, what well, we were arguing about, it's really not that important. It's really not that important. Forget all the stuff that I said. It ain't even that important no more. It's not that important. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Because I knew I was going to want her. See what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is this. That's lust. Lust and love and all of that stuff, in terms of your desire for somebody, it ebbs and flows. But you know what should never ebb and flow? Your core decency when it comes to your treatment of her. You can get in arguments and curse her out. She's going to get in arguments and curse you out. Lord knows you're calling each, stuff, each other stuff that can't be repeated, especially for FCC airways. That stuff happens in relationships. But the core of who you are, when it gets really, really thick, how you treat her matters. And you know how you should treat her? You should think about the women you love most. Your mama, your sisters, your nieces, your daughters, stuff like that. How would you want them treated? Even if they could afford it. If they were out with a man and that man had it, you know you would want him to pick up, put, dig into his pocket, pull out of his wallet and pay for that meal. Just as much as you would want him to get up and pull the chair out from her when she's standing up, push the chair in for her when she's sitting down, open that car door for her when she's getting in, close that car door once she's in. It's called class. It's called decency. 
It's called etiquette. It's called manhood. Never deviate from that. No matter how they make you feel. Because when you alone at home in the mirror, all you see is you. The best of you or the worst of you. Now get on out of here. I gotta go. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. And as I always say, we don't have to know sports. To no mercy. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.